Hi everyone, Samir and Samet here and welcome back to our Formula 1 podcast. Today we'll be talking about the 2023 Monaco Grand Prix. And this was actually an exciting race for once, unlike Miami. This race definitely has got to be like the best race of the season. Yeah, not just the race too, qualifying was actually interesting qualifying, too. Qualifying might have been a bit more interesting than the race, but um, they were like really close together I think in terms of entertainment. Yeah. Um, but moving on then, before we t- dive deep into those things, let's move on to the practice sessions first. The main highlight of FP1 was, of course, Alex Albon's heavy shunt into the wall at turn one. He lost the rear of his Williams and went straight on into the wall at turn one, clipping the rear left of his tire and, and the front left as well, and completely just shredding that whole left side of his car. Yeah, that brought out the first red flag of the weekend, and obviously being Monaco... We would expect a whole lot of red flags, but um, definitely not something you want to do in FP1 especially. Yeah. It'll just drain your confidence for the remainder practice sessions. And at Monaco, you need as much track time as possible. Definitely, yeah. That brought out a red flag, of course, because of how heavy the shunt was. And we also saw issues from Logan Sargent too as well, as he was moving slowly down the track a few times. Mm-hmm. And also Lewis Hamilton in his Mercedes um, I think he was complaining about some of his um, drivability throughout yeah. some of the session. Of course, last year he was complaining a lot in Monaco, so this year um looked more of the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely a lot of drivers though struggling with like getting like yeah. the bouncing sort of in control because especially Monaco, like um, although they resurface the track every year, it still is a lot of bouncing throughout yeah. the um because of the natural shape of the roads. So um, especially um, the um, corner before the hairpin where the camber yeah, is that's off camber. Yeah. And so it's cool to see the F1 cars three-wheeling through there. But um, just a lot of drivers trying to get closer and closer to the barriers this session without necessarily hitting them. Yeah, um, of course, like people like Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, people who are have a um, chance at the title this year, Just this is... Um, where I think they could make the biggest difference even in Alonso. this. Yeah, even Alonso too. He's been saying that this is their race to win, Aston Martins, because their car is a really good in low-speed corners. So uh, Alonso and Aston Martin have a really good package that will suit this track. But in FP1, the Ferraris were looking really quick. I mean, yeah. Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz both looked extremely happy with their setups. Yeah. Well, although, be it like Leclerc had a couple of moments like... um at the swimming pool chicane like the corner after that he got a big wash of oversteer but yeah. he was able to control that but otherwise like um the ferrari seemed in control and leclerc obviously sporting a cool new helmet and suit yeah, for his um, look cool yeah. for his home grand prix it's like all white almost so it was pretty good we also saw an incident involving the house of Nico Hulkenberg at the exit of the tunnel when you make that left-hander into the chicane. He hit his rear left um tire on that wall there, which caused a puncture, so he was had to move slowly for the rest of the lap. But that kind of spun him around, because when you go there, if this is a wall and this is his car, it kind of just spun him around like that, and that caused a lot of damage to his tire. So he had to be really careful on the way back to the pits 
to not try to do what Leclerc did in 2019 nope. and drive angry kind of when and you start shredding the tire which then as it gets bigger and bigger because of the shredding it starts to destroy your floor as well and then with floor damage you lose yeah. downforce and then it just especially on these whole, new cars and it just becomes a whole nightmare after that yeah not just for the driver for the mechanics too as well speaking of nightmare we also saw Kevin Magnussen having a bit heart in the mouth moment going into turn 1 but yeah. um he was able to use the runoff at Santivot, but yeah, the um, very few runoff areas in Monaco. Yeah, but um, thankfully he was able to just do a 180 pirouette as most drivers do when they go down there. But um, scary moment for both um, yeah, both drivers in Haas. Yeah, definitely not something they would want to see a lot of this weekend, especially in Monaco. Yeah, Fernando Alonso would definitely not like to see a lot of the traffic that he was suffering with in FP1. Um, he was complaining a lot about the Red Bulls, especially getting in his way, and he made a sarcastic comment saying that he's also going to stay on the racing line. So, yeah, just classic enjoying, Fernando. He's just enjoying F1 now. Like, he yeah. can make these jokes whenever he wants. It's like Kimmy. This is just a hobby for him. Yeah. But after that, it, was, it wasn't just Alonso who was doing pretty good in his Aston Martin. It was also Lance Stroll, too. Both of them seemed to be having a good day in their package. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Stroll did touch the wallet or some corners, yeah. like the final corner, Anthony Noggs. But um, nevertheless, I mean, it Monaco can be a big weekend for Stroll, yeah. especially like Alonso's been thrashing him so far this season. Like, I Monaco, mean, it's Alonso though. Yeah, like but, Alonso, like um, of course anyone would get beat by him. I think. But I mean, Stroll's had a year more in this in the same car, three yeah. years in the same team. So I mean, while it is Alonso, like. The gap between Alonso and Stroll is, I think, something that no one would have expected. Because, personally, like, there's a lot of um, trash talking now coming back about how Stroll, they're saying yeah. Stroll is a paid driver and all that. Um, at his beginning of his career, maybe a little bit, but I think he's improved a lot, like, showing that definitely, he yeah. definitely deserves the seat, but he definitely shouldn't be getting beat like this on a daily, like, the thrashing he's receiving by Alonso every race. Yeah, I think he just needs to become a bit more consistent. Yeah. Um, but even even the best make mistakes here in Monaco, as we saw Max Verstappen at the swimming pusher cane, barely getting away with a mistake and nearly recreating 2018 when he infamously crashed in FP3, essentially mm -hmm. handing the pole position then to Daniel Ricciardo. Yep. But um, he luckily this time he got away with it after he lost the rear coming into the entry of that chicane, and then he was able to catch it as he went over the rumble strips. But that's definitely not something he would want to see a lot of this weekend. Oh, yeah. Another cool thing we were able to see this weekend was McLaren's Triple Crown livery. Yeah. Celebrating their um Triple Crown success in the Monaco Grand Prix in F1, the Indy 500, and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. It's cool that McLaren are showing this off at one of the races. Yeah. Their overalls are also cool. And they're also keeping this um for the Spanish Grand Prix. So it's it's a nice livery. I mean... It looks nice. Looks cool, you got yeah. the um black for Le Mans, the white for um the Monaco Grand Prix win, and then the orange for IndyCar. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. But um, some people have been calling it a cigarette car. Oh so yeah, it kind of does look like it. Yeah, that's also funny. But we'll see whether the cigarette has any pace or not. So at the end of FP1, then it was Carlos Sainz actually who finished the quickest overall from Fernando Alonso, three tenths back on his countryman. Then came Lewis Hamilton in third, then Perez, Leclerc, Verstappen, who was surprisingly in sixth, then Norris, Alcon Stroll, and Alex Albon snuck into the top ten. 
pretty good job from Albon yeah. after obviously his um his shunt. Yeah. So he's still uh, even with his shunt, he was still able to get a representative time. But I mean, this is still FP one in early days. So there's more to come in FP two, FP three qualifying in the race. Yep. And in FP two, it was a big nasty moment for Carlos Sainz crashing at that same very spot that his teammate Leclerc yeah. crashed in two years ago to keep pole to himself. And it was a big, it was like a nasty whack because he went yeah. in hard and like every driver who crashes there, he hit um, his front right. He went in too hard and hit that um, barrier that sticks out because you want to keep following that with your tire as much as you can till you have to turn left to um, maximize speed. But he just went too close and hit it. And yeah. then the steering rod broke so he couldn't turn left. He physically could not turn left. Like, it shows his steering wheel turning left, but the tire's not turning because yeah, the steering cause, rod's yeah. broke. And um, so he just goes straight on into the wall. But then the main concern for the mechanics would be that the back hit the um, yeah. wall really hard. And so that would rattle the power unit, the gearbox, and all those um, good bits back there. And so not something you really want to um, be worrying yeah. about, like having to change that gearbox and power unit because you have a specific um, allocation for the season for that. But um, thankfully, I don't think there would be any such damages for that. But not a great moment for Carlos Sainz. Two in a row here in Monaco, second places. Yeah. But um, he would need uh, more confidence coming off that shunt to keep his pace up. Yeah, Max Verstappen this time was absolutely flying this session as he set the fastest lap this um so far of this session. And um, he was just looking like really confident in the Red Bull around Monaco. We've seen Red Bull typically dominate in Monaco in past years. Um, they've taken quite a few wins in the last five years too. So um, their try their car is obviously suited for Monaco a lot. And Max Verstappen, he just looks so effortless when he's driving the Red Bull now, and he's still pumping in purple sectors after purple sectors. It's amazing to see, but kind of boring too. Yeah, but um, also don't forget that Sergio Perez is there too. Perez yeah. winner here last year. Yeah, he true. also feels really confident with his abilities around Monaco. I mean, Red Bull have won here. What, He's like, the king of the streets. Yeah, but like just Red Bull too, they have a lot of experience here. Like 2011 was Vettel, 2010 and 2012 was Weber. Then 2016 could have been Ricardo, but yeah. then they got Ricardo in 2018. And then obviously... Verstappen 2021 and Paris 2022, they really yeah, have they a lot of success around here. And I think, personally, there would be nothing stopping yeah. them unless another team finds a whole lot of pace. Or a bunch of traffic like we've been seeing in FP2 as well. Like Especially with Sergio Perez too getting caught with traffic, just like Fernando Alonso in FP1. So Monaco, is obviously, we've seen traffic be a big issue in past years, especially during qualifying. And don't forget... Um, in this session Leclerc also impeded signs on yeah. at the swimming pool chicane that was a big scare for the two Ferraris yeah so especially within the teammates too that's definitely something that can be avoided but with other teams it's kind of hard to avoid just the drivers and engineers need to be constantly communicating with each other yeah especially like Monaco um a lot of blind corners like you won't yeah. see cars unless you're like near close to them yeah blind corners are a big issue yeah. But yeah, we saw Alonso obviously complaining about Russell cutting the chicane and re-overtaking him. Yeah. But that's the yeah. so just another issue of that traffic and Sonoda as well clipping the same area where Hulkenberg got his puncture and but luckily he got away with it. So yeah, 
and the mechanics were also able to get Alex Albon's car done just in time for him to complete some laps in FP2, and so that was a really good showing from the Williams mechanics. Yeah, working flat out, obviously. That's yeah. definitely the toughest thing in F1, one of them. Like, fixing um the car just in time definitely, for yeah. the next session. Like, I mean, we've seen it happen, and sometimes we haven't seen it happen. Obviously, remember 2018, Verstappen had that crash. The mechanics yeah. were able to get it turned out, but then they found an oil leak, and so he wasn't able to partake. So sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But when it does work, the drivers definitely feel a lot of gratitude. As they the should, yeah, as yeah. they should. So at the end of FP2, then, it was Max Verstappen who set the fastest lap of the session and of the weekend so far with a 112 0.462, a really strong time from him. But Leclerc was not far off, just six one hundredths behind Max Verstappen. Then came Sainz, who was a tenth back. Then Fernando Alonso, who was two tenths back. Then came Norris, Hamilton, Perez, Bottas, Gasly, and Ocon. So both Alpines barely snuck into the top ten, but still some ways away off the leaders. Yeah, but it's only just FP2, different run plans yeah. and everything. But going on to FP3, bad mistake from Lewis Hamilton. Coming into that, um, I think it's Mirabel, or I don't know what that is. Right before the hairpin. Yeah, yeah. it's... Um, the Nico Rosberg corner. Yeah, right before the hairpin. Hamilton, obviously the car's three-wheel into that off-camber corner, and um, Hamilton just got a wash of oversteer and hit the wall yeah. hard on that, and he beached, like, he got his um front wing stuck in that... um barrier there and so they actually had to get a crane and lift that car out yeah. and the crane lifted that car really high up like it went extremely high and so all the engineers and all the, the whole teams, city the whole country got to look at the lewis hamilton floor the how high they lifted it yeah they could see the underside of that floor and so and then it was funny like they showed the car being lifted up and then they panned to all the mercedes mechanics in the garages Praying that they don't drop that car because, oh boy, would that, that have been a major disaster if they had dropped yeah. that. And uh, actually, when they started lifting it, it started tilting back because there's more weight at yeah. the back due to the engine and everything. And so it was, a, it was kind of scary, but thankfully yeah. no such damage was happened and they were able to get that car back to the pits. Yeah, George Russell nearly had a nearly also had a big crash on the entry to Raskast where he clipped his left front right at the entry but luckily he was able to get away with that but just a lot of um touches like that and definitely his suspension will be damaged mm -hmm. so he, he was luckily able to get away with that but that's the difference around monaco if you're able to just it's one millimeter oftentimes just that can find you so much time yeah so it's like so those type of risks have to be taken that's why practice is there just so that people can um and find that time and find where the limit is but then that's again why this race is so special because if you win it you know you've done everything better that's than a true, lot of yeah. other drivers and but once again we saw the red bulls out in front but it looked like fernando alonso could possibly challenge um yeah. maybe like verstappen or perez because he seemed to be absolutely dialed into his aston martin as he's looked like all week on almost all season so far yeah Leclerc was also having some troubles with his Ferrari as he um, clipped the entry into where he crashed in 2021 famously but luckily he was able to um, um, get away with it and he was just asking his engineers if they saw anything because he said he can't feel it inside the car um, but maybe that's how he can find more pace if he can't find it uh, especially because if it's just one lap qualifying then if he doesn't feel it and that's gaining time then 
he won't have to worry about long-term damage. Whereas in a race, you would have to worry about that. Yeah, but um, obviously, look at the main thing with this now. They yeah. they just need to isolate the issue now, especially the session right before yeah. qualifying. This is where the driver needs to be dialed in with the car. But someone who wasn't dialed with the car was Esteban Ocon, who yeah. had an engine issue and he parked up in the middle of the tunnel. But um, he was able to get that going again, and um, he brought it back to the pit lane. But again, we also saw Kevin Magnussen yeah, make the same mistake that he did in FP1, go straight on into the um, first corner. But then it looked like to be a major issue because he stopped on the exit of Portier at the um, corner, and he wasn't able to um, get going again. But his teammate, Nico Hulkenberg, looked um, pretty good in his half. Obviously, um, wanting a good result for his new team. Yeah. So um, he's looked like the strongest man so far in Haas this season. Yeah. Um, obviously he's been unlucky not to get any podiums, but I mean over overall, Hulkenberg I think is a really solid midfield driver. Yeah, he definitely is, and um, it would be nice to see him on the podium one time. But yeah. at Monaco, if you can get a good result in his Haas, that would be a big win for him and the yeah. team. So at the end of FP3, then it was a Red Bull 1-2, Verstappen from Perez, Perez just 7 one-hundredths off his teammate, then Lance Stroll impressing again, just one-tenth off Max Verstappen, then came Sainz, Norris, Gasly, again a strong showing from Gasly, Leclerc disappointing down in 7th, Hamilton even more disappointing in 8th, then Ocon 9th and Bottas in 10th. Yep. Now going on to qualifying, Q1, and yeah. the big shock of Q1. Sergio Perez overcooking it into Sandoval, the first corner, just co um, completely messing it up. And he tried to catch it, but he couldn't. He hit the wall with his left side, and his left rear tire just completely got ripped off the car. And so that was his qualifying done, and that completely yeah. ruined his weekend. For he just Monaco. went in way too deep, and that's the thing about Monaco. Those risks in Q1 in a Red Bull are just not necessary at all. Yeah, like You don't need to be finding that much time, especially when you're driving a Red Bull in Q1. That's like some Q3 type stuff. You don't need to do wait till Q1. Because now he, he'd be starting dead last in yeah. 20th, and, um, complete, and Monaco, we know you can't overtake that easily. And so it would be a real challenge for Perez to um, find um, a way to overtake. I mean, we've seen Verstappen in 2018. He came up to like P7 yeah. after starting That's when the cars were a lot smaller. Though. Yeah, these cars are a lot wider now. And so it's going to be a lot harder for Perez to do what Verstappen did. Yeah. And especially for the world championship now. If Perez loses and Verstappen goes on to like finish on the podium or win, that would see a huge dent to his championship yeah. blows. So then continuing now to the, this brought us to the end of Q1 now. And this is where now we've seen a lot of the drivers now. We saw Verstappen was quickest. Then Sonoda was second. Stroll was third. Norris was fifth. So a lot of the track was now starting to evolve as drivers started to um, pump in their lap times. And so this is where like people would have to really get a move on, especially the big names. Logan Sargent, we saw move up to P12, but that wouldn't be enough later on because then Albon went up to P3 for Williams. So the track was really starting to evolve now. Sainz was improving. Hamilton seemed like he wasn't improving at all. So Carlos Sainz came across the line. He went up to P4. Lewis Hamilton went up to P7. So he barely made it through. So the five that were eliminated then 
or Sergio Perez, Joe Gonyu, a shock with Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin Magnuson. Both passes were out. Really and, surprising. And then Logan Sargent, by five one hundredths of a second, missed out on a Q2, another Q2 appearance. Feel bad for him. Sometimes it's been really weird with Sargent. Sometimes yeah. he's been really close. Like he's been unlucky just all around, I feel like. Sometimes he's been really close, and other times he's just been woefully slow. Like Jeddah, he it was he was predicted like by his team that he would qualify at least seventh or eighth with his pace, but he just couldn't find the lap together. Yeah. I mean, that's like, uh, I think that's kind of on him. That it is, but also sometimes he's gone unlucky. So yeah, just a real shame. We'll see what Sergeant does in the race. But th- um, Q one definitely a big shock that both Haas cars were out, and so. That was really such a shame. Yeah, I think with Sargent, the thing is, he's a bit too early for F1. Um, I think if you look at his Formula 3 days, where he spent three seasons in F3, by his second and third year, he was driving really well, especially in his second year, when he was mounting that title challenge with Prima and got really close to winning it at the end, um, if it weren't for that crash with Zendeli and Mugello, which effectively handed it then to... Oscar Piastri, and then promoted Porcher up to P2. So Sargent finished P3, but he was driving really consistently in F3 because of how long he was. Whereas if you look at his F2, it was more of the same of his F1 career so far, where occasionally he's been really good and really brilliant, but he just doesn't have that consistency. So I think that maybe Williams should maybe give him another chance next season because we've seen that Sargent, when he has that longevity and he has that consistent, that, um, continued experience then he starts to grow as a driver and then he starts to drive really well i think we just yeah. give him more time we'll see how it works out yeah but um yeah i think i agree with you longevity but that's any driver that's any true, driver yeah. needs longevity unless uh, oscar piastri who won f3 and f2 in his debut yeah. year and is driving really well this year mm-hmm. so um, yeah but in q2 now going into q2 speaking of Oscar Piastri and McLaren, it would be his teammate Lando Norris on the entry to Tibet. He yeah. um, went a bit too wide and clipped the end, and so that like effectively messed up the front toe of his car. So yeah. like it wouldn't steer straight now. He would have to have the um, wheel turn the slight angle, either left or right, to keep it pointed straight. Yeah. But um, he needed to box for that and finish um, and make sure his mechanics can get to work, get on that as much time as they can yeah. so that they finish their job. Yeah, so then towards the end of Q2, then the final laps, Lewis Hamilton was in the bottom zone, and he was looking to improve too. And throughout the time he was finding lap, especially in the second sector, he was finding lap time. The first sector he had in, but Hamilton crossed the line, and he went up into P5. So that was really good from him. Who He managed to find a lap together at the very end. And so then after that, we saw um, Oscar Piastri tried to improve his time, but he couldn't. So the five that were eliminated from Q2 were Valtteri Bottas, Lance Stroll, Alex Albon, Nick DeFries, and Oscar Piastri. By one one hundredth of a second, Piastri missed out. Bottas and Piastri are the, yeah. were the big surprises for me. And Stroll, too. And even Stroll, yeah. But um, really, like, um, such a big surprise, but also on a track. That's so important to qualify high in yeah. such good cars. They just um, they they it made their race so much harder. Yeah, especially Stroll in his Aston Martin, who should be up there like where Alonso is. Yeah, just would be really disappointing for him. Yeah. So moving on to Q three and the first set of runs, Verstappen went quickest overall because he was the first to set his lap time. And then we saw Alonso looking good after setting a purple sector one. So 
So it was interesting to see how he was going. And then he set a purple second, purple second sector. And as he crossed the line by three tenths of a second, in, he went into the 111s. And Fernando Alonso was on provisional pole. And those behind didn't look like they were going to challenge enough. Leclerc went onto the front row. Then Sainz went onto the front row. And then Lewis Hamilton could not find a good lap together. He stayed down in eighth. So um, the track was starting to evolve, I guess, or maybe Verstappen made a mistake somewhere, but he just didn't have the lap time that we've seen before. It was before. a good lap by Alonso as well. Yeah, too. a really good lap from Alonso. And then the second set of runs, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen trying to find pace. Verstappen, then he went back onto provisional pole, and Lewis Hamilton, then he went up into P3, just 7 one-hundredths off Verstappen, and Alonso was 5 one-hundredths off of Verstappen. And then we saw Esteban Ocon pull a lap out of nowhere to go onto provisional pole by one-tenth of a second, too. Like, that came out of nowhere. That was yeah. so surprising, so impressive from Ocon, who's been driving pretty well this season. But here in Monaco, I that know. was an incredible lap from him in the Alpine to yeah. put it up there with the Red Bulls and Aston Martin. Out of, and by one-tenth, too, that's a pretty big margin, too. So when we saw Lando Norris, who the McLaren team were able to get his car up and running again, he went and tried to set a time, but it wasn't good enough. It was just good enough for P9. Then this brought us to the final set of runs. Immediately, we saw Charles Leclerc blitz the far sector. By 7 one-hundredths, he was up on Ocon, and it was the fastest purple sector that we've seen. And then signs behind him looked like he wasn't doing very good with a um, pretty poor far sector. Alonso also was doing really good with a um, far sector, a purple yeah. far sector. Leclerc looking to take three consecutive poles around Monaco. Obviously, it would be really impressive, but Alonso yeah. and Verstappen were just absolutely on it as well. So it was a three-way fight for pole position. Yeah. And Leclerc would be the first one to cross the line. And Leclerc would go on to provisional pole position. And then Ocon win. wouldn't be fighting back because he was in the pits. His yeah. qualifying was done based on his run plan. Mm -hmm. So Leclerc, he went on to provisional pole. Then Carlos Sainz would be the next to cross the line. And he couldn't beat Esteban Ocon. So he was stuck in P3 for now. And then Fernando Alonso, who was purple sector one and purple sector two with another magical lap. He crossed the line and then by two one hundredths of a second went back onto provisional pole. It was a really good lap from Alonso, so... We waited now for the challenge from George Russell to see if Russell could do anything about it. Yeah. Unfortunately for Russell, he couldn't do anything about it. But then, um, he, Russell stayed in eighth. But then, Max Verstappen came. His first and second sectors yeah. were pretty decent, but he was still two tenths down. And then his third sector was absolutely magnificent. It was majestical. It was majestic. It was just absolutely everything that you could have won. It was perfect. I don't think he could have found any more time. I don't think there. you could have fit a piece of paper between him and the entry of the um, chicane after the famous Leclerc chicane, I'll call it, where he crashed. I don't think you could have fit a piece of paper there from where how close he was from the barriers. And we even saw him on the main start-finish straight. He hit the wall a bit. He tapped the wall. But even after that, the amount of time he gained... He went back onto pole position and stole pole away from Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin by eight one hundredths of a second. And he just pulled that last sector out of nowhere. It was such a great final sector. Disappointment and heartbreak for Aston yeah. Martin. But for Red Bull, it was incredible. But then again, they should have had two cars up there if it weren't for yeah. Perez. Perez's crash. But um, nevertheless, um, showing Verstappen showing why 
he is the reigning double world champion. Yeah. All, an incredible final sector from him, which would make his race a lot easier um, the next day. Yeah. So the top 10 in qualifying, Max Verstappen in P1, Fernando Alonso in P2, Charles Leclerc gets a second row start for Ferrari, and Esteban Ocon too, after all of his hard work, he was rewarded with a P4 star, and that was a really good qualifying from him and Alpine, Carlos Sainz in 5th, a slightly disappointing from him, Hamilton in 6th, Gasly in 7th, so Alpine doing a phenomenal job, then Russell 8th, Sonoda 9th, and Lando Norris in 10th, 2 tenths behind Yuki Sonoda. However, after the race, it was um, noted by the stewards that Charles Leclerc had impeded Lando yeah. Norris in the tunnel, and so Leclerc would be handed a three-place grid penalty. Yeah. So Leclerc would start sixth, which meant Esteban Ocon would start P3, with Sainz P4 and he Hamilton P5. So yeah. Ocon P3 in that Alpine, an incredible result from him. And that would make his race a bit easier um, the next day. And potential podium, too, based on that. So as we move on to the race now, as the five lights came on in Monaco, the start's so important for the drivers to really ace so that they can. this is the um, op- best opportunity to make the overtakes. So as we saw the lights go out, it was a good start from Verstappen and a good start from Alonso, but Alonso just couldn't um, get Verstappen into turn one. He, Alonso was on the hard tire yeah. and Verstappen was on the medium. Ocon also looked like he was going to challenge Alonso, but Alonso just closed the door on him at turn one. And then behind him, we saw Lewis Hamilton trying to challenge Charles Leclerc as up the hill they all went then at fantastic speeds. That camera shot was really cool to see if you watched the race. At the start, them going up the hill was really cool. But they kept it all nice and clean through um, Casino Square and just towards um, Mirabeau now and the um, hairpin. But towards on the off-camera corner, down to before the hairpin, we saw Hulkenberg send it to the inside of Logan Sargent, and he made contact with Sargent, and that opened the door to Valtteri Bottas now, and Sargent was not happy about that at all. Yeah, and it was like Hulkenberg just threw the car, then Sargent had to move, otherwise he would have been collected and into the barrier by the house, and so the FIA saw that they agreed with Sargent and Williams, and they gave Hulkenberg, I think, a five-second penalty. Yeah. And so, um... I mean, you have to take that risk than lap one in Monaco because that's the easiest time to overtake. But um, the way Hulkenberg did it, it was um, it was just yeah. throwing the door down and just expecting the driver to move. We also saw Lance Stroll get very close with Alex Albon at the hairpin, and Alex Albon they kind touched, of moved they across. Touched. They did touch, yeah, but Stroll was luckily able to get away with that. Even then, they touched again right before, after the hairpin, on the exit of the hairpin, into the very next right-hander, and there was some debris that fell off, but for the most part, they both got away with that one. And just became a car park at the hairpin, yeah. and it was funny, you could see all those cars parked up there, and then Perez just in the background waiting, yeah. probably furious under his helmet that he has to deal with all that traffic, but um, it's what he got for that crashing Q1, yeah. and this reason why, like, Verstappen would have already been at the swimming pool chicane by the time Perez got even round the, um or not swimming pool, probably like to back by the time Perez got yeah. round the hairpin. So um already just a big gap between him yeah. and his teammate. Yeah, on lap 11, we saw Carlos Sainz telling his race engineer to push um the car in front, Esteban Ocon, to use his tires. But he ended up pushing him through the corner after he ran into the back of the Alpine and that caused severe damage to his front wing and that ruined his race from there on 
That was just a, such a bad move from um Signs. He just overcooked it. He tried to send it to the inside, but um he was just a day late and a dollar short, as yeah. Martin Brunder likes to say. Yeah, I mean it was just not it was not necessary. Like it was a half-hearted move too. Yeah, like that that was the reason why they crashed. It was a half-hearted move from yeah. Signs and Ocon did nothing wrong. Like. Sainz said he moved late, but all oh, going back at the footage, Ocon didn't move at all, and it was just unnecessary from Sainz to like make half-hearted moves like that because they will punish you around Monaco. Yeah. So moving on to lap seventeen, then Logan Sargent was the head of the Freedom Train, but then we saw Kevin Magnussen be the first to overtake the American as he sent it to the inside of that off-camber corner, and he was able to get past. Logan Sargent and then this would then ruin Sargent's race afterwards because he was immediately then put under pressure by Lance Stroll behind and Stroll sent it to the inside of Sargent at Rascast and that then opened the door for Sergio Perez who made a very bold move too and he got past the Williams as well that was a very opportunistic move and then now Sargent was just under pressure from Joe Gonyu as well in the Alfa Romeo and this was just ruining Sargent's race as he had no more pace to show after this. Yeah, I mean that all started at Mirabeau back then yeah. and so that was a um really opportunistic move as well from Perez yeah. to get that like especially cuz he would need to be all cylinders firing, awareness at 100% yeah. to um, make any overtake especially with these wide cars these days. Yeah, Sargent just uh, at the end he just had no more tire pace to show and this was just like completely ruining his strategy too. And we saw Sergio Perez then um after Verstappen lapped him, he tried to follow his teammate through and get past Lance Stroll, but Stroll moved across right at the last minute and forced Perez off the road and Perez and didn't give the position back to Lance Stroll and he stayed ahead. Then we saw the Ferrari of Carlos Sainz come in just before the rain started to come down, actually, he made the gamble to pit for hard tires and continue on a set of slicks. But Sainz was mad about that because yeah. Alcon had pitted before and then Sainz had pitted after. But Ferrari said it was to cover Hamilton. But Sainz was furious at that because yeah. he didn't want anything to do with Hamilton. He wanted to be ahead of Alcon. But Ferrari, again, blundering the strategy with him and... Yeah. Um, focusing on one thing and the driver wants another thing just miscommunication in general just not what you want especially at monaco yeah on lap 35 we saw um one of the hasses make a mistake at the swim at the um, chicane at the end of the tunnel it was kevin magnuson and sergio perez tried to get a switch back but instead he ran right into the back of kevin magnuson and magnuson broke perez's front wing so just another disappointing thing from perez who was forced to make another pit stop too Yep, and then lap 53 is when all drama broke loose. Yeah. That's when the rain started drip, um, dripping down at the hairpin section, sector yeah. 2 area, and um, that's where it became so treacherous for the drivers on right, slick yeah. tires. They would have to, like, tippy toe across there. there yeah. yeah, especially on worn tires, too, like Verstappen was saying. Yeah. He had to, like, tippy, tippy throw, toe um, through there. And so um, you couldn't even make an overtake into the next corner as Carlos Sainz would try to do on Esteban Ocon because of how um, dangerous, like you ha- still had water on your tires. But um, there was yeah. different calls by the um, engineers to their drivers. Like some teams said that it would stay like this. Some teams said it would get heavier. Yeah. And so one of the teams that said it would stay like this was Aston Martin because Alonso came in 
on lap 55 and he um kept slick tires on he um went to the medium yeah, tires. I think that, that was the wrong call yeah because they they thought it would just stay like um that wet and so it was just survival in that section yeah but then you could make up all the time later but then as they saw later the rain came down a lot heavier and so in the yeah. end it became the bad call yeah but lap 55 was just a bunch of people just diving into the pit lanes and it was just a mess in the pit lane as everyone showed up and alpine had a very nice double stack actually they were a little bit slow with Ocon, but he was able to get away with that and gasly followed in and everyone started to just follow in afterwards and then lap 55 too as well for the people who were still out on the track on slick tires they were just tippy toeing their way through the hairpin and we saw carlos Sainz actually at that corner mirabal he just went straight on into that escape road after he just slid an aquaplane completely into that escape road and luckily he didn't find the barriers too yeah. so he got away with that one and that brought him out behind his teammate yeah. and we saw we saw him trying to overtake his yeah. teammate at the exit of that um trying into of going the into the back yeah. yeah and um leclerc would blocking him off because they would bring both ferraris in that lap and yeah. so science that ruined science's race almost and yeah obviously the spin did but it cost science more time because um he was he had to wait behind his teammate there wasn't a big gap yeah. for that double stack so leclerc obviously would get the first service but science would have to just wait up queue up behind him and um, that would definitely be frustrating for science. Yeah, and then we also saw on lap 55 too, George Russell go straight on as well as after locking up, he went straight on into the escape road. And Lance Stroll was also there, but um, Russell was able to get reversed. And as he rejoined the track, Perez was right there and he slammed into the back of the Mercedes. It was a quite a heavy impact, but luckily no one broke anything off of their cars. But Russell was then later given a penalty um due to unsafe re-entry into the track yeah, and so I, mean, I don't know how much he could have seen though because you can't like turn your head a lot due to the hans device yeah but um clearly obviously he couldn't see out of the mirror so yeah unfortunate unlucky from russell yeah lap 56 then the ferraris finally came into the pit double stacking as leclerc in first then signs but then we also saw Lance Stroll too, just completely not being able to turn his Aston Martin at the hairpin. And he went straight on and broke some of his front wing. And so that was not good at all. I think it, I think it was an issue though almost because like, um, first of all, Alonso was able to um, make a free pit stop and still keep his second place. Yeah. But um, Aston Martin, even when they also brought in Stroll, he wasn't, um, he wasn't able to turn at the hairpin. But then when he got it straight, it, he just kept going. I don't know if it's because he was going or he was trying to break, but the engine was kept going. But it looked yeah. like definitely he had a problem because that just capped off his miserable weekend. Yeah, then we also saw Sergio Perez at the swimming pool chicane lose the rear of his car, but somehow, somehow he caught it. and that He got away with what would have been a really big incident. And then Logan Sargent just, just couldn't turn the wheel. I don't know what he was doing, but yeah. Just another sergeant moment of not being able to drive properly. But meanwhile, we saw two cars who could drive properly, and it was the two McLarens, both yeah. Norris and um, Piastri making copycat moves into turn one yeah. to get some good overtaking done, both on the Alpha Tauri of Yuki Sonoda. And so the McLarens were actually rapid in yeah. the wet. They were really almost, fast. I think they said Norris was like almost three seconds quicker than Verstappen on some laps. Yeah. So... That cigarette really did have pace in the in the wet conditions. Yeah. 
But um, at the end, then on lap 78, it was Max Verstappen who still stayed out in front and survived all of that chaos brilliantly. And he won in Monte Carlo for the second time in his career. Red Bull made it three wins in a row in Monaco. And he won the Monaco Grand Prix to extend his championship lead by law. Yeah, and Red Bull, by 27 seconds, he stayed ahead of um, Fernando Alonso, who came claimed another podium for Aston Martin and second place. And Esteban Ocon's brilliant weekend was rewarded with a podium for him, his first podium in Monaco. And he finally completed the treble, a first, second and third, same as his teammate Gasly. Lewis Hamilton then came home in fourth place and Russell kept his fifth place even with his penalty because of this big margin he had behind um Charles Leclerc so that was a really good drive from Russell to keep his head cool and to um to claim him that fifth place Charles Leclerc finished his home Grand Prix once again but in P6 I think the Monaco car struck again it, it struck in qualifying with that um yeah. three place grid penalty Pierre Gasly got seventh place so a lot of points for Alpine mm -hmm. Carlos Sainz's race got ruined, and he finished in P8. Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri, 9th and 10th, made it a double points finish for um, McLaren, and in that their, was a really good... In their triple yeah. crown livery, too, that was nice. Yeah. A good luck livery, maybe, for them. Yeah, so um, Max Verstappen just dominated this race again. It was a really good race, in my opinion. I quite enjoyed it a lot. It definitely got a lot interesting as yeah. the rain came down. It was really cool. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of our podcast and be sure to join us next time as we take a look at the 2023 Spanish Grand Prix. Thank you.